Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. Well, good morning, gangs. Really great to see you on this beautiful, beautiful, sunny and warm uh, Fresno day. Uh, really cool in here, which is nice, right? Thank you, Clovis Unified, for spending all those tax dollars to cool us off today. Uh, turn your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, as we continue our series uh, that we've called Citizens of the Kingdom. Uh, we are in chapter 6 today. Next Sunday, we're actually in one of the greatest passages on prayer, what it means to have an effective prayer life. And so if you struggle with praying, struggle with how to pray, what to pray for, make sure you join us next week. It's a great passage that really everybody would, uh, would uh, appreciate and enjoy. So invite somebody to join you. This morning, though, we're in this brand new kind of section, transitioning from the characteristics of the citizens of God's kingdom uh, into really how the citizen of God's kingdom relates to God and material things. That's what chapter 6 is all about. And this morning we're talking about learning to live before an audience of one. The Sermon on the Mount is really for Christians, disciples, those who call themselves Christ followers. And it's about the idea of if Jesus is our king, this is how we as citizens are to live our lives. How we relate to God in worship and how we relate to him with the material things of this life. This morning we'll look at the difference between giving for an earthly reward and giving for heavenly ones. It really we'll find is all about our motives. Why we do what we do. Who is the audience that we're trying to gain when we do things like give or serve? You ever ask yourself a question, now why did I do that? Why, what was the purpose behind me doing that? That's a good question for us to ask when we think about spiritual things. Are we doing it for the Lord? Are we doing it to be seen as spiritual? That is a game-changing kind of scenario if you and I are, are willing to process it, to think through God, I really want to do things in life this point forward for your glory, something that will bring honor to you. Uh, motive is what God is always looking at. And Jesus himself said to the disciple or to the Pharisees, he said, you know, well did Isaiah say that these people draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God is always interested at the heart, the core of who you and I are as people. And, and, and really it's about worshiping God, doing things for God, as he brings up three illustrations over the next couple weeks for us today, the illustration of giving. It's really for the Lord. Matthew chapter 6, it's, uh, it's verse 1 through 4. We'll read together as you guys turned there 27 minutes ago. And, uh, and I'm sorry, here I go. I'm making a left turn. There we go. Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people, notice this, in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in, their, in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. <clears throat> Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, Jesus 
is going to contrast the uh, actions, the thoughts, the mindsets, the heart, really, between a Pharisee who was doing everything for an external show, all of the commands that they kept was all an external, uh, you know, outward appearance, but, but Jesus is always after the heart. And then the disciple, the citizens of the kingdom, this is how you and I are to live. Now he lays down a principle in verse one, then he illustrates it in three ways, giving, praying, that we'll look at next week, and fasting. And Jesus begins this section with the word beware. That's a, a word that means, well, has, has anyone ever like snuck in somebody's backyard and it says beware, like dog is in the backyard? Have you ever done that before? Like, and then you're like, oh, that sounds like a cocker, you know, spaniel. That's not a big deal. Uh, as a pool guy who got bit and had to get stitches and get shots because uh, I didn't read the sign that said beware, uh, sometimes you need to take warning, right? When the Son of God says beware of something, our ears should perk up. And we should say, there must be something that's dangerous for us. And maybe something that you and I can fall into very easily. Pay attention. Be cautious about this warning. He says, if you proceed without getting it, it'll become destructive to your spiritual journey. And it will also put you in a category of receiving earthly rewards, the praise of human beings. So Jesus warns. He says, don't do your righteous things one, to gain the favor of other people, but we certainly also don't do it to, to gain God's favor. Salvation is a free gift that we cannot earn or deserve, but we receive it freely, right? As it says in Ephesians 2, for it is by grace you are saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not by your works so that no one can boast. So we don't do righteous things in order to be, you know, gain favor with God. Oh, I'm going to do these things, God. I'm going to get a backpack because I, I want you to love me, God. Well, God already loves us and we've already been made his children if you're a follower of Jesus today. But he says, be careful that you don't do your righteous things. We'll get to what that looks like in order to be seen by other people. So that other people might observe your life and go, wow, they're so spiritual. I can't believe all that they do for God. Jesus says, beware of that. There's a danger of living like that, and Jesus called it hypocrisy. It's doing the right thing in the wrong way and for the wrong reason. Hypocrisy uh, is, is a term that we all get, right? We all know hypocrites, and a lot of people don't go to churches because why? They're filled with what? Hypocrites. But the, the word literally means a stage actor. It's an English word, hypocrite, comes from a Greek word that means a stage actor, really someone who would put on a mask, a mask wearer, as they would do their plays. They would, uh, you know, put different masks on to uh, perform the play. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's pretending to be something that you're not. We're supposed to take warning, Jesus said, and be self-aware of where our heart is. When we think about this, who's the audience that we're trying to gain? Is it an audience of one, the Father? Are we trying to gather a crowd around us to say, guys, I want everyone to know what I am and, and how spiritual I am. These acts, by the way, praying today, giving, fasting, they're almost like matter-of-fact type things. Jesus says when you pray. Jesus says when you fast. Jesus says when you give. These are things that are important to the life of a Christian, uh, a citizen of the kingdom, and yet there were also important spiritual disciplines in Judaism. And so that's why Jesus attacks, uh, attaches this 
this warning, if you would, uh, to don't do these things. These are illustrations of righteous things that you and I are supposed to do. It's not just what we do, but why and for whom we do it. So if we think about this, this passage today, really we look at this is how you can give if you want to receive an earthly reward. This is also how you can give if you're looking to receive a heavenly reward, which I think we all want to receive. But first, let's look at how to give for earthly rewards. This is what Jesus says. Let your motive be to appear spiritual before others. And so he said, when they would give, they would sound the trumpet. Now, that's kind of an interesting thought, right? The idea is that, that uh, they're, they're, you know, as they're walking from the synagogue or walking from, you know, to, to the temple and, and on the street corner, they wanted everyone to know they were so eager to help people, they would actually just stop right there at Blackstone and Knees, and they would just pull out a trumpet, you know, that was attached to them and go, you know, you know, like, let everyone know, like, hey, I've got money to give to the needy. Look how spiritual I am. So that's what literally would happen. The idea is that they were drawing attention to it. And so they, and maybe perhaps kind of like us, we think about spiritual things that you and I would do and be a part of, righteous things, spiritual practices of the Christian life. The idea is that we, we, we draw attention to it. We talk about it a lot. Like, oh, these are all the things that I'm doing for the Lord, right? And, uh, and, and we talk to ourselves about it and see all these wonderful things that I'm doing and I did for God and I did that for the Lord and I've done this for the Lord. And you start keeping tabs of all that you do. Jesus says, beware, because your reward might be the applause that you give your own self. That's a very scary thought to think that one day we might stand before the Lord and not have an issue with our salvation. That's something that can't be taken away from you, right? You can't lose your salvation. But the rewards that you and I seek after, you might realize like, wow, they all got burned up because my motive was always to look and appear spiritual. And so Jesus says they would sound the trumpet and people would observe how righteous they were and they'll be seen by people and they'll be praised by people. And Jesus says they won't have a reward from the Father their reward will be the applause and the ooh, ah, look how spiritual they are. Now, chapter 5 talked about something, though. He said, you are the salt of the earth, right? He also said in verse 16 of chapter 5, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine so that people will see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. It almost sounds like it's Jesus is like, you just want to go like, hey, hold up, Jesus, can I just ask you about verse 16? Stop his sermon on the mount right there. You know, it's not a contradiction, but it can appear like that. Okay, wait, I'm not exactly understanding this. What if somebody finds out that I, is the illustration here, give? What if someone finds out that I served? What if someone knows that I do spiritual things? People are going to find out. Right, I mean, so if the Lord stirs your heart to go and bless somebody this week that's in need financially and you take care of a need for them, it's, it's not as if they're not going to know that you did it, right? Because you're going to go to them and say, hey, I'd like to take care of this for you. The idea is motive and who they see. When Jesus said, let your light shine before others, right, that they may see your good, your good deeds, but their praise and observation is of who? God, that they might glorify God in heaven. So that's the difference. Are they looking at you? 
Are they looking at Jesus when you do something that's a a spiritual act or something that Jesus is calling you and I to do? Jesus is saying that our motive is, if our motive is to be seen as spiritual, then then they're looking at us. And the reward is the applause of humanity. And you have no reward from God. But if your motive is, I want to serve God, and the goal is that they praise God and not me, well, that's what Jesus is getting at. It's okay, by the way, for someone to say thank you. If someone says to you, thank you for serving in kids' ministry, like, oh, no, 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 don't say it. Like, don't say it. I don't want you to steal my reward, man. Like, that's okay. If somebody says, you know, hey, thank you for serving. We really appreciate what you do around here at RVC or volunteer at Rescue the Children or bringing these backpacks. Zip it. Zip it, Rescue the Children, lady. We don't want you to steal our rewards, right? That's not, it's, it's all about the heart, so it's real easy for us to get super religious, right, and start attaching like, well, I can't let anyone know. Well, that's impossible. People know what we do. People know how we serve them. People know if we give. But it's the idea is the heart. Is your heart in a place where you're serving before an audience of one, even though there might be a hundred that find out about it? That's what Jesus is after. There's an illustration in the Old Testament or the New Testament in the book of Acts. Early church, you remember the early church gathered together in chapter 2, Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he, he proclaimed what this observation of the Holy Spirit falling upon the early church, 120 men and women who were followers of Jesus and believed in his resurrection and 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. So these are men and women and families that came from all over to worship God in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Many of them stayed there. And so because of that, they didn't have jobs. Some perhaps lost their jobs because they're now followers of Jesus. They believe in his resurrection, and so their businesses started to fail and what have you. And so there was a situation arising where there was a lot of poverty there in Jerusalem amongst the Christian people that were there, thousands of people now at this moment. And in Acts chapter 4, what we see is that there was no one who had a need because the Christians saw someone in need and their hearts were moved out of love for Jesus, and they took care of it. And one particular person, his name was Barnabas. Barnabas, uh, his name meant that he was an encourager. They called him the son of encouragement. I mean, of all the, the, the sort of pet names your friends could give you, like that would be one, right? Oh, here comes that son of encouragement, right? And, uh, and, and so Barnabas felt compelled. He had some land. He sold part of that land, And he went and brought the proceeds and he gave it to the apostles and said, disperse it amongst the needy that are among us. Well, that encouraged and inspired generosity among the church. But there was two people that actually said, you know what? I want people to see us as spiritual. Ananias and Sapphira. There was this couple, this married couple. They sold their land and they said, listen, we just made 20 grand off this land. But let's tell the apostles we only made 10 so that they and everyone else thinks, wow, I can't believe how spiritual they are. They're such sacrificial people. And so Ananias shows up with that bag of money and he says, you know, here's... We sold our land. We want to really just bless the poor among us. And Peter, inspired by the Spirit, recognized what was going on. It's like, Ananias, you had your land. You sold it. You own the money. Do what you want with it. But you come in here lying to God as if you are bringing 100% of it. Bring 50. That's bigger than 10%. 
but he wanted everyone to think he gave all. You know what happened on that day? Ananias died because of the hypocrisy that he displayed in the early days of the church. If, if that same kind of stuff went on in 21st century churches, I mean, we, we could just have like a hearse parked outside, right? Like, oh, there he go, There he goes. Look at him dropping that offering box in that connection box in the connection center. Boom, dropping like flies. I'm grateful that that's like a one and done kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Uh, well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> like, let's all try to stay alive today at church. So are, we good? are we good on that? Let's all leave here alive, right? Drive safely home. Because so, if something bad happens, we'll be like, oh, guess what? I guess they were hypocrites at church. I don't even want to plant that thought in your mind, but it's, oh, we're already going to go there. I mean, we're all going to be talking about it. Oh, brother so-and-so, wow, what was going on in their life? If I die this week, don't even think that, okay? <laughs> Just, I didn't want to die this week, all right? Man, this gets so sidetracked. I blame you guys for that, by the way. Um, what are we talking about? Motive. Oh, till he dies, and his wife comes in a couple hours later, and he's like, hey, Savira. That's a nice, you know, new necklace you got there. Hey, let me ask you, do you sell your land for, for 10000 Oh, yeah, that's what we sold for. It's like, man, I can't believe you conspired with your husband to die. The same dudes that carried your dead husband out, they're at the door right now to carry you out. She dropped down dead. Two people. Like, losing church members is sad. That's not a good way to lose church membership. But that's what happened on that day. Jesus said, that's a mask wearer. Parading your righteousness before others. And the only thing that they were doing and that we do is managing a facade, managing an image that's bogus. And Jesus says, beware of that. If you want earthly rewards, if you want people to think that you're amazing, he says, then give in this kind of a way. And by the way, this is an illustration. You could put, insert any act of service or thing that you do for God and his glory, and you have the same challenging thought. God, is this for you? Am I doing this for you? It's before people, Jesus says, to be seen by them, or is it to be before the audience of one, the Father? And when you and I give like that, or do anything like that for that matter, we forfeit a real reward. You get the recognition you were looking for as everyone says, wow, look how they love the Lord. You remember back in the 80s and 90s, man, churches were nuts. There would be preachers on stage who would say, the Lord just revealed to me that there are five people that he wants to bless in this room right now. And the first five people who give $10,000, a window of heaven is going to open up and shower upon them. And everyone's sitting around like going, check, is my wallet still here? Like what's going on in this situation? And then some poor sucker would stand up, right? And he'd stand up and everyone would go like, oh, and just praying four more are going to stand up before you feel the nudge, right? And, and so then they, you know, come walking up and everyone's just, just, oh, wow, look how sacrificial you are. And, I mean, you could have walked up and said, now don't cash it this year. So you might bounce. <laughs> but you just want to kind of just go like, man, I hope it felt good. That, 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 that parade up to the stage with that check in your hand. So that's, a mental picture, I think, that we all get. And Jesus is challenging the heart of a Christian going, is that how and why you do anything for me? It's good to do some self-observation. Rewards come to us, by the way, 
in heaven for what you do for Jesus on earth, what you gave for the kingdom on earth, you will be rewarded for heaven. Salvation is a free gift. Not all of our good deeds, by the way, added up in this room couldn't buy us one second in heaven. Salvation's by grace. I want to make that clear. But rewards are based on your work and your effort and what you do for Jesus and more importantly, why you do it for Jesus. Was it for him? Was it an audience of one? Boy, that could change so much in our lives. You know, oftentimes uh, as a human being, that I share that in common with all of you, most of you, is, uh, is the fact that sometimes our pride gets a little hurt when someone doesn't recognize us. Do you ever feel like that? You do something, you serve somebody in some way, you serve in a ministry, some capacity, and nobody like just stops and cheers when you're doing it. Good. I'm actually happy for us when that happens. Because it reorients us back to the why. Am I doing this so that people look at me and say, wow, you're so good, you're so sacrificial, I can't believe all you do for God. It's a good thing when we miss out on the applause of human beings. I'm not saying our reward's taken because somebody said thank you. I'm saying that sometimes our hearts can go back to that what feels natural or Jesus would have never warned his disciples that you have potential to give for earthly rewards. Heavenly rewards await each one of us for what we do for the Lord based on why we did it. Why we would do anything good for his kingdom. If nobody sees it, or if somebody does, by the way, we're asking you to sign up today on that connection card with, you're going to bring a backpack. It's not, you're not, we're not going to show it to the Lord and say, see, they signed up. Now we know they're losing their reward for that $20 backpack or whatever you get. The issue is why. That's the challenge for us, right? The challenge. Jesus, I find myself praying, God, refine my motives. Like, refine the motives for, for doing the things that I do. But that's part of how we grow spiritually, Right? You know, we know that we're growing spiritually when we withhold that moment in a conversation where we could bring up something that makes us look really spiritual before another person. You ever find yourself like talking about yourself and reminding people of all the things that you do for God, reminding everyone of what you gave, reminding even just your family what you do for God and what you gave for the Lord? Man, Jesus says, beware, beware of that. Do some soul searching today. Why do you do what you do? When we talk about specifically giving. Don't feel bad, by the way, because you want the applause of humanity. That's natural. Jesus is in the, in the business of changing that part of us so we become more supernatural in the same way of other spiritual things like forgiving other people, right? Being more sacrificial. Stage ministry has its own little snares too. Preachers who preach for fame. People get saved, all the reward will be gone because their motive was to draw a crowd. It's a dangerous trap, and Jesus warns us about that. But then he tells us this is how you give for heavenly rewards. Let your motive be to glorify Jesus. Now, when Jesus said uh, about giving, he said, when you give. He didn't say, if you ever feel compelled to give. He said, when you give. When you and I practice spiritual things like giving, praying, fasting. Giving is part of living for Jesus. We give of our time. 
We give of our talents and we give of our treasures. It's not an either or or two out of the three. If you're a follower of Jesus, the encouragement of God's word is that you give time sacrificially to his kingdom, serving in some capacity. You use your talents, your gifting that God has given to you to glorify Jesus with those gifts, and you give financially to God's kingdom because that's what God asked you and I to do to grow us up as Christians. That's an important part of the Christian life. Now, sometimes preachers, and, and I shy away from talking about money, honestly, I think to our own um, you know, the, I'm not helpful with it because I grew up in an era where it just looked like every, every church was just after everybody's dollars. The last thing I want, your friends that God is wanting to reach to come into a church service like this and to see, oh, I knew it. That's all this church is about is about money. We don't need money. We got a 300 and something million dollar campus. We already won, <laughs> right? We already beat all my friends that have their own buildings. Oh, you don't have an Olympic swimming pool? I feel bad for you, okay? <laughs> but you need to give. I need to give of all those areas of my life to be a disciple and to grow as a disciple of Jesus. But because it becomes, money becomes the big issue. It's almost like uh, there's a little kid who, who drew a picture of Jesus. And he has arms open wide like this. And the caption read, help the poor. And what he forgot to do was put quotations around help the poor. And then Jesus. So it just read, help the poor Jesus. And that's what it sounds like some pastors are saying about Jesus. If we don't give, the Lord, the Father's going to boot the Son out of heaven because we've not given sacrificially enough. Help the poor Jesus. God is, needs nothing from us, by the way. His requirement and calling for you and I to give here in Matthew 6, other parts of Scripture, to pray, to fast, is all for you. It's all for me so that we can grow. Jesus said more about money, because it's so connected to our lives, than he did about hell and heaven combined. Think about that. It must be an important issue. Jesus sat by the box in the temple, and he observed how people gave. And people would come, and they'd drop their offering in the box. And an old woman came, and she dropped two copper coins in there. And Jesus said, uh, he said, that woman gave more than everybody else today. Because she gave out of sacrifice. Everybody else gave out of abundance. I find it true, many people who have the most in life actually give the least. And then some who actually have very little become the most sacrificial in their giving because they actually get it. Here's what Paul said about, about, uh, about all of us, by the way. If you live here in Fresno and Clovis, you're among the wealthiest around the entire globe. Did you know that? Like we were, if you got some running water, you didn't have to share a towel with your whole family today. Your bathroom's inside your house and it flushes. Good job, right? You're rich. Here's what Paul said. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our, our enjoyment. Stop there. Everything that God allows you to afford in life, he's blessed you so that you can enjoy it. Don't feel bad if you have a cabin uh, in the mountains or if you've got a boat. Let me stay there. 
every once in a while. But don't feel bad that God has blessed you, right? I mean, because I, I know that I've had those wrestling match conversations with people like, oh, I just feel like, is this wrong for me to do this? They're, they give sacrificially. They care about missions. They, they, they serve the Lord faithfully. And they feel bad like that they might buy a new car. I'm like, like no, go. Good on you, okay? Just let me drive that on Friday night. He says, God has given us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them, he says, to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience life. Tithing is an important part of the Christian life. Giving to your local church is an important part of your Christian walk. Giving to missions is an important part of your Christian life. Spreading the gospel of Jesus. You and I should be so compelled to want to give so that the gospel goes out. My prayer is that RVC can be a part of financially supporting church plants in this nation and around the globe one day. Because serving God and taking the gospel out from this place is why we exist, if not part of why we exist, right? And then giving to the needy. Seeing the need around you. Those are three areas that you are called by God to be faithful in giving. It's a biblical mandate. You and I are to care for the widows and orphans. Translate that in today's world. You might see a young couple who has a car that's broken down and they got to get to work. And you've got the means. You say, meet me over at Pet Boys. Or I, I don't need, I'm not making a statement like I don't have stock in Pet Boys. But take it to a reputable place and say, can you get this sucker running so that this fella can get to work and put some food on his table? Get, like, that's church, right? Are we all in agreement with that? A, a single mom who struggles to put food on their table after this backpack drive or even before this or during the backpack drive, you know somebody who's struggling. You, get, you, you go and buy your stuff at Trader Joe's and you give them a little gift card and say, man, get this to that mom so that she can get food on her table. I remember Tam and I, newly married, baby that, that showed up 19 months after we, no, how, how long was this? I just want to make it clear they didn't think that you were pregnant and that's why we get married. Like, that's what's going on in my head right now is I'm doing the math. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie, man. Dang, I like this church. We were married a year and I was at Hume Lake serving the Lord with teenagers and I got a, a message saying, call home immediately. So there we go. It was a year and nine months that we had our baby. That we did not plan. Like, we weren't ready right now at 47 and 48 to have babies. But we, Lord's like, you know what? You need to grow up, son. So that's what happened. I was still in school. I was still going to school. Uh, I had a couple part-time jobs. I'll never forget opening my slider outside of uh, Moroa Park, where Tammy, Fox Hollow is where we lived. Uh, Moroa and Sierra. Uh, we lived over by Bullard people. Have you ever had to do that in your life? <laughs> I'm a Clovis West kid. It was like really, it was hard. And, uh, and, and so I opened the slider and I see an envelope and it's filled with rocks and I open it up and there's a little note that said, um, Gordon and Tammy, I wanted to, God spoke to me that I wanted to give this to you and I want you to use it for your family. God bless you, right? No name, nothing. And over $800 in there, because that's 1994, 95, where, you know, that was like more than our rent and a half. And I remember just going, God, that is so awesome. Every morning, Tammy goes out in our backyard, opens that slider up, <laughs> looking for... <laughs> it's like, okay. I mean, Jesse, we sang it, right? Do it again, Lord, do it again. 
it, 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 it bolstered my faith in God. God, you know what's going on in our lives right now. Not long after that, we packed up pregnant with a second boy and moved to Orange County so I could finish up some, some biblical training at a church planting school in Costa Mesa. That was so necessary for us in that moment. The Lord wants to use you like that, in ways like that. And you do it because you say, God, I want you to be glorified as this need is met in your kingdom. And so you give generously as you see needs around you. This should be a part of all of our lives. By the way, it's not always a sign that you're spiritually mature because you give. There's a lot of people that give financially and they have not grown spiritually for decades. But I don't think it's possible for you and I to be mature Christians and to not be a sacrificial giver. It's a part of the spiritual development of your life. But when we do that, you don't draw attention to it. If we want to learn how to give where we receive a heavenly reward, he said, don't draw attention to yourself when you do it like them, sounding the trumpet, to be seen as generous. Like Ananias, the Pharisees would make a big deal to draw all their eyes upon, upon them. They were a stage actor, acting the part, pious and spiritual. The applause and recognition was payment in full, Jesus said. Says, this is how you give. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Now that sounds impossible, right? It's impossible for you to not know that you actually did something. But the idea behind it is you don't even allow yourself to park in that thought. Wow, look what I give. Don't even let yourself keep tabs of what you do for the Lord. Be led, give, and move on. That's what Jesus is saying. If others knew, Lord, they're not going to know because you said it in your word, don't sound the trumpet. But if they did, they would be equally as impressed with me as I am with me. That's what he's saying. Yay, me. Oh, you're welcome, Jesus. So glad you have me in your kingdom. What would you do without me? See, that's that idea. He says, if you want to give for the, the, the fading applause of humanity, well, then give and draw attention to it. But if you want to give to receive heavenly rewards, you give and you don't even allow yourself to think about how awesome you are. Asking yourself this motive. What is my motive? The Bible says that you and I are to give out of that motive of Jesus, it's for you, an audience of one. We're also called to give cheerfully, by the way. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. That's why we give. We don't, we don't give saying, well, Lord, you told us in your word you're supposed to give, so go ahead and take your money, Lord. No grumpy givers. No grumpy givers, according to God in his word. To have God in mind when you give, when you give to that person in need, when you give to your church, when you give to missions, when you give to rescue the children and say, Lord, would you be honored and glorified as I give? I give it out of a sacrifice and, an, an, and, a, and a really an act of worship before you. That's the idea. You know, you and I can uh, fool a lot of people sometimes, right? We can fool some people all the time. But you and I can never fool God. He's always there. And that's what Jesus says in verse four. The father sees in secret. He sees your motive. He sees my motive. And when he sees that our motive is to honor him and glorify him, he says that he will reward that act of righteousness, that act of duty, that what you do for the Lord. To be continuously conscious of his presence when we do everything in this life. The father sees he'll reward in way better ways than the praise of man. 
Sometimes the rewards come this side of heaven. Other times, most are going to be on the other side of heaven. When we spend eternity with God, when we stand, according to Paul, before the judgment seat of Christ, where we will receive our rewards based on what we did for him. That judgment will be based on what sort or sort of the motives behind doing what we do. Paul refers to this in 1 Corinthians when he talks about the judgment day. He says, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. Speaking of rewards, the builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. It'll be based on why we did what we did. Isn't that funny? We think about all these great things we could do for God, and maybe even things we've done in the past. But God's going to actually test the sort it was, the, the type of, um, he talked about building material, wood, hay, and stubble. Was it wood, hay, and stubble to be seen by people, or was it gold, silver, and precious stones? It was for the Lord and his glory. The motive was that pure out of that, God, I want to honor you, the audience of one, really. So citizens seek to live, and in this illustration, give before an audience of one, not to put on a show. Let our giving Church, whatever it's for, for uh, furthering the work of God's kingdom, for, for building into people's lives, making Jesus known in our community, sending money to missions or, or helping those in need that God's going to put in your direct path this week, let it all be done for him, motivated by love for Jesus and cheerful as you and I do it. And God will see and the Father will reward. You know, I love, that, that's a scary thought for me this week that God sees everything and that we're continuously in his presence. Does that kind of freak you out a little bit? Every single thing that you did, every single thing that you thought, God is there in that moment. There's another part of that. It's kind of like also reassuring. Is that God knows everything about us. He knows our motives for doing what we do, for singing the way we sing, for giving the way we give. But he also knows what's going on in our lives. I thought about this this morning as praying for you guys and praying for our church family. Thinking about the needs that are represented here. What's happening in your life? Do you know that God knows it? God sees it. Some of you have job interviews this week. God's already there at that job interview, but he wants to give you a peaceful and a heart that can trust him this week. God sees the chaos that might be happening in your family or extended family. God sees the, the, maybe the interpersonal struggles that you have with anxiety or, or just, you know, the battles that we face in life, man. You got a big issue going on at your workplace you're stressed out over. You got kids that you're trying to raise and they're going berserko. It's it just, God sees it. And God wants you and I to walk in peace and he wants to meet your needs. He wants to encourage you this morning. He wants to strengthen you this morning. And that happens when you and I recognize that and we say, God, I'm gonna surrender this to you. You know what also happens when we pray together? You know, we have a prayer meeting coming up uh, in two weeks. Actually, it's a week from, um, from this, from this uh, Monday. We have a prayer meeting. And it's been awesome this year. We've done a, a few of them already. And we've been seeing God open doors and answer prayers of, of the church and, and, and extended family members of our church. Take a moment today in your bulletin and write out a prayer request for that. We want to be bombarding heaven on your behalf, your family's behalf. There's also an opportunity on Sunday mornings where we have prayer teams every single Sunday. We've got men and women who care and love on RVC, which I'm so grateful for, but they want to be able to 
join with you and pray with you and for you about the things going on in your life. Maybe you have something today. I want to encourage you to make your way over to the table. We do that during the last song. We also stick around for a little bit after our service if you want to make your way over at that moment. This morning, we talk about relationship. We talk about knowing God and having a relationship with Him and giving for Him. Maybe you've heard this morning, we're talking about all these ways God wants to meet our needs and ways that we can honor Him. And maybe you don't have a relationship with Him yet. When Jesus talked about that we'll have, our Father will see, that's a relationship. You aren't automatically God's child when you're born into this world. I don't even care that you're American. That means nothing in God's kingdom. You and I can only become his children when we willingly submit our life to Jesus, confess our sin to him, and invite him to be our Lord and our Savior. And every Sunday, we like to give somebody an opportunity to do that. That's why we encourage you to invite your friends who don't know Jesus so they can hear a message from God's word, get encouraged by our worship, but have a moment in time in their life where they could be hearing the gospel and decide if they're going to follow Jesus or not. But maybe you're here this morning. You don't know him. Or maybe you knew him as a kid and you walked away. Right now, can I encourage you to submit your life to Jesus? You can't earn your way to heaven. You've broken God's commands as I've broken God's commands. That's why we have a bloody cross with a perfect Savior 2,000 years ago hanging on, hanging on that tree as he absorbed God's wrath for your sin and my sin and the sins of this whole world so he could offer eternal life, offer forgiveness, and give you and I the ability to know him personally. You know, we're going to pray right now. If today's a day you want to surrender to him, I want to give you that opportunity. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love and your grace. And Father, this morning I'm thankful for your goodness and your grace for us. Lord, I'm also thankful today, God, that your word instructs us on how to live our lives. And Lord, really to challenge our motives for doing what we do. And Lord, this morning, I know, God, that there are dozens and dozens of men and women who've surrendered to you, Jesus. And right now you're working on our hearts. Lord, there might be one person here. God, there might be several here today that they don't have a relationship with you. God, they know in their heart of hearts that if they were to die today, that they would not go to heaven. Lord, they might be trusting in their own works. They might be trusting in their religion. God, but right now, all those facades come falling down as they stand face to face before you and the gospel. Your word says that whoever confesses you as Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you that it is the faint prayer of a sinner that you hear. And in that moment, Jesus, you reach out, you save, and you make them alive. Lord, speak to their hearts right now. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, hey, Gordon, would you pray for me? Today I want to invite Jesus to be my Savior. Today I want, I want to sur surrender my heart to him. If that's you this morning, you've never committed your life to Jesus, I want you to lift up your hand high enough so I can see it. Hold it up in place, and we're going to pray together right where you're sitting. We're going to tell God together what you want him to do in your life. If that's you, you lift your hand, and let me pray for you. Anybody here this morning ready to surrender your life to Jesus? You want your sins forgiven. You want to begin a relationship with him today by faith. Anybody here today? Well, Lord, we say thank you for your goodness and your grace, God. We say thank you for the gift of salvation. And Lord, would you bless us and speak to us, God, as we continue to think upon your word today, God. Think about the ways that you're speaking to our hearts, Father, and as we pray together and worship together. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, I'm going to invite you to stand with me right now. And if you'd like some prayer, the team's going to lead us. And then Jeremiah's going to come out. He's got a couple things that we need to share with you. And then he's going to dismiss us in a benediction prayer. So God bless you. Let's sing. Let's worship him.